T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. It's where you're going to find out what the socks are doing. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. It's your Daily Socks Podcast. Oh, it's your Daily Socks Podcast. And here's your host, Josh Lewis. Thank you, Clyde Lawrence. That is the guy that sings this open and performed this open. Part of the band, Lawrence, which is great. You can check them out wherever you get your music. But I don't think you'll be disappointed. Josh Lewin is my name. That part is true. And here we are getting ready for the final series before the All-Star break. And we're going to talk nothing about it as uh, whatever is happening between uh, the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. I don't know because I'm not there. I'm in Greece and uh, not, not the musical. I'm not, I did not get cast to be in the musical Grease. I'm not, not John Travolta. I'm certainly not Olivia Newton-John. Uh, but I, I would like, I don't know, I'd like to do that someday. It would be fun. The, uh, the point of all this is uh, this is our continuing series, the last in our continuing series of getting to know the guys on Nesson, the, the big three anyway. Talk to Salty a little bit too. We'd love to have Mike Napoli on at some point and some of the other guys. But uh, let's start you with the big three. You've already heard this week from Eck and from Remdog, now Dave O'Brien, the glue that keeps all that together. A uh, good friend of mine, uh, very happy to be able to say that. Here's the interview we did together. So the podcast long-form narrative continues this week. The great Dave O'Brien will join us in just a moment. And again, uh, if you haven't been tuned in on this or clued in on this, this is me essentially being lazy and not actually uh, telling you about the games this week because it would mean... Uh, uh, getting off the beach in Santorini and actually doing some work. And I, I'm just not prepared to do that. So this is uh, as close as a mail-it-in as I can do, which is let's gather up some interviews with cool Red Sox people and run them all week while I'm getting uh, almost comically tan in, in Greece. So we, we come to Dave O'Brien, and I've saved maybe the, the best for last here because, uh, no, seriously, he just, he just chortled, but I didn't mean to get a chortle. Uh, professionally, this is about the best there is in an in, in industry that is very uh, cutthroat and, and uh, obviously it's a subjective business. Some people, uh, you know, they, they may prefer this guy to the other guy, but I, I don't know anybody that doesn't watch or listen to a Dave O'Brien game and says anything other than that guy's really good. I mean, that guy's informed, got great pipes, he, he knows everything about what he's talking about. He's this, uh, this, this has to mean only one thing, Josh. You're dying? That the che- either I, no, it's two things, yeah. Either I'm dying or the check is cleared. It's one of those two things. No, I just, you know, I, and it's weird because it's a Red Sox podcast. I don't need to sell people on who you are and what you do. But, I, I, you know, it's proprietary and customary to give background. So now that we've done that, uh, you look lovely in your Joseph Abood wear, by the way. Well, you know, the Joseph Abood's a big part of our show because, as you know, as you found out your first year doing the Red Sox, Joe Abood is here all the time. I mean, he's always here on Friday 
often here on Saturday and Sunday in the stands down the third baseline. He has a great seat. He often brings family, brings his daughter. He'll bring friends. But he is such a big part of our show because he dresses everybody on our show. And, you know, Jerry Remy, Dennis Eckersley, myself, we're never going to look one-tenth this good unless Joe Abood is putting our ties on and, and matching up our shirts and our, our suits. If Joe's marketing people are listening to this, we have a reach of about 2,200 people per podcast, I'm told. So we've gotten you some nice marketing, and I want a tie. It's great stuff. Well, you've got a tie coming because usually we get like 10 or 12 ties with every suit. Oh, nice. And I pick like four that I, I really like, and the others I give away. So. Oh, I will take your sloppy seconds tie-wise for you sure. It. You got yeah. it for sure. So if you don't mind, Obi, what, what I wanted to do with, with our time together, I wanted to kind of walk through not so much your resume, but I just, I, you know, I'm always interested to talk to guys in the business who have been in, in different stops and seen different organizations up close. I mean, you, you've landed at the, the optimal one. I mean, you're not only a part of Red Sox Nation, you've been here for some really cool stuff. Yeah. But let, let's wind it back. Let's do the behind the music thing here with Dave O'Brien. Back to your college days, and I know I, I don't know if you did baseball at Georgia. I know you did football and basketball, but but who would I know from that era? Who who, who were you doing, so to speak? Well, as a college student, because I'm a Syracuse guy, uh, two years in front of me was this young hotshot named Sean McDonough. One year behind me was this young hotshot named Mike Tirico, and there were also about six or seven other men and women who've gone on to do tremendous things but that's sort of the group of guys that I came through through Syracuse University but no I never did baseball I never did minor league baseball um, did college basketball and was involved with the football stuff at Georgia now, was, that a, was that a radio station uh, hire WSB Atlanta is my okay. second job I was only 23 years old but the wow. guy that I was the sports department with I was number two he was number one was Brad Nessler and Brad Nessler was the voice of the Atlanta Falcons. You talk about a, a great football announcer. And that was the sports department at WSB Radio. So I was the young kid who did afternoons, and I did a talk show. He did morning drive. He did the Falcons. Eventually, I started doing Georgia basketball. And then came an opening with the Atlanta Braves when Ernie Johnson Sr., Ernie Johnson's dad, retired. And he had been on the air for about a quarter century. He decided he was done. Stan Kasten was running the Braves at the time, and he liked my basketball work when he heard me doing Georgia hoops because he was also running the Atlanta Hawks. So he was a big basketball game. He was like, hey, uh, he called over to WSB and said, if O'Brien has a tape on baseball, can you have him send it over? We'd like to listen to it, which is exactly what happened. I went into the stands for Braves games in like 1988, 89. I called games into a tape recorder from the stands with about nine of my closest friends, because no one went to the Braves. I was going to say, you picked a perfect place to, to set up and yep. do that. They were terrible. And so based on that, I landed my first baseball job uh, in Atlanta doing the Braves. 1990, they hired me. The team was terrible. In 91, they went to the World Series. Total turnaround, phenomenal turnaround. That's how my baseball career got going. So you, you now have some Marlins and Mets that, that will step up after that. Let's walk through that. When I say to you, hey, tell me about your Marlins experience. I mean, who are some of the names, the people either in the booth or on the field or in the clubhouse that will always kind of be in your cranium here? Well, I worked with a guy named Joe Angel who has retired. He was a longtime voice of the Baltimore Orioles. And Joe and I formed a radio team, first radio team down in South Florida. And that was fascinating to be with an expansion club on the ground floor of everything, where everything is a first. You know, your spring training, 
uh, first spring training hit was a big deal. Right. You know, that was Brett Barbary, you know, a double at Cocoa Beach, Florida, you know, which is not even a ballpark there anymore. We thought the ballpark was going to fall down. <laughs> it had been there for so long, it, w- it would sway in a hard wind. And, wow. and we had a great, great time, Joe and I, together as the radio team. After a few years, they put me on television with Tommy Hutton. Uh, who is a phenomenal announcer. He's been still in Florida. He did ESPN for years. We formed a great bond as well. But it was off of that experience that ESPN kind of scouted me and offered me a deal to start doing games on ESPN. So, you know, you get on TV for a few innings. And, and I remember one of the first things they looked at at ESPN was a tape of a game I did right here at Fenway Park. No 1997, I want to say, was the year. The Marlins were great. They won the World Series that year. And we came to Boston uh, in an interleague series. And a lot of the guys at ESPN, especially back then, were huge Red Sox fans. They remain huge Red Sox fans. So they got a kick out of seeing me talk about having been raised in Quincy and Marshfield and growing up in New England and coming to Fenway Park as a, as a young kid. And they thought that was great that I had all that information and that background, along with uh, you know calling the ball game between the Marlins and the Red Sox, and and so that's why they one of the big reasons they made me the offer they did. Wow, that, that part I did not yeah. know. So okay, so but but to work for a team, obviously very different dynamic than working for a, a network. And when you had the opportunity, I know it wasn't a lot of games; it wasn't every day with the Mets, although I, I know they offered you the chance to do that. But uh, how was that a, a part of your life? How did it start? How did it end? Well, the Mets, were, that was fascinating because I was doing, uh, I was doing the Marlins every day and, and uh, then went to ESPN exclusively, left doing a team every day. But I yearned to be part of a ball club. So when the Mets came calling and said, look, we have a 50-game package, just weekends, you know PIX, you know PIX, uh, Channel 11 in New York, all New Yorkers know that. And that was the, the Mets over the air station. And my partner was going to be Tom Seaver. And it was just 50 games. It was just weekends. But I had a blast doing it. I think everybody should live in a big city at some point in their lives. Pick a big city. I was a little older, but if you're younger, live in a, in a, in a big town like New York or Chicago or Los Angeles just to experience what that's like. And there's nothing like New York every day and the grid of New York and the excitement of New York. So that was a thrill. Working with Seaver was amazing. He became a dear friend of mine. Uh, he's ailing right now. It's a very difficult time in his life with the, 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 the dementia that he's suffering and, and some other physical problems. It's very, very sad. But he was sharp as attack then. And you know what he told me? One of the first things he told me was he wished he had pitched many years in Boston. Really? He loved the short time he had in Boston. He loved it here. He loved to stay here. So we had a great partnership there in, in New York as well. They offered me that job uh, when it was done. Um, I decided not to take it. Uh, it's also true of the Cubs. I was offered the job in Chicago as well to do the Cubs. Turn that down. And, you know, it's like you look back over the arc of your career and you're like, well, this is why I wound up where I wound up. You know? Yeah, you don't know it at the time, but it all it all pushes you where you're supposed to be. And I guess that's kind of my next question for you. But uh, you, you mentioned your lineage, that you're a, a native New Englander, although I've never heard an accent from you, which I think is remarkable. We'll come back to that in a sec. But uh, it is funny how, you know, the, the butterfly flaps its wings and everything happens off of that. You know, if you had taken that job in Chicago you know what would your life have looked like and all of that would you have ever made it back here I I very nearly uh, left the Red Sox uh, just a few years ago like five or six years ago to go to Los Angeles Uh, we were in very serious contract talks with the Dodgers at the time that Vin Scully was beginning to talk about retirement and 
So I, I look at it this way. I've actually uh, I've arrived at the place that I've arrived, which is home for me, uh, by turning down jobs in New York, Chicago, and Los sure. Angeles over, over the course of time, and, and I'm so happy that I, I wound up where I did. And you know, to, to be able to, to raise a family at least a little bit, I know, you know your kids kind of bounced with you for, for a little while. I don't know if you raise a family a little bit. That's a fascinating <laughs> – I mean, I don't know how one does that. I, I know we did the three all the way. Right, <laughs> we right. just got them through college, so we're, we're having a parade at our house up in Rye, New Hampshire. Very Well, yeah, if you can raise 80% of a kid, that's probably not enough. <laughs> right. But, so, but, but to, to call New England home, not just for you, but I think you – I'm guessing that your kids kind of regard this area now as home base, right? And, and I don't know if your kids – developed accents in any way but i but i am fascinated by that you, you've got such a um uh i, I can't say it's a generic sound because it's a very unique sound you sound like dave o'brien but in terms of an actual uh, uh lack of accent or just, there's no affectation you, you wouldn't listen to dave o'brien and say well that guy obviously is from mashfield you know or something like yeah. that yeah which is how i used to say it and and i still every once in a while fall into when my my brother comes up for christmas uh and spends a couple of days around me i'm calling him mock you know, in about five minutes. But I see, I hear it. I hear the regionalization in my own head. Okay. Uh, and oftentimes will slip into what I think is a, it very much sounds like, you know, I'm a Boston kid. Well, if you've got a four-hour game with Remy, how does that not by osmosis get, get into your vocal situation? There? I think there's, there's some truth to that. I was born in the same hospital here in Boston that Ted Kennedy was born in and lived in Quincy until I was like three years old and on the South Shore for many, many, I've lived here most of my adult life. And what I did when I went to Syracuse, I, I let them know that I intended to do national sports, that I intended to do basketball, football, baseball on a national level. And, and wasn't really thinking so much about the regional stuff. You never really do. You just think, well, I'll be lucky enough to get a job anywhere. And then if that, if A and B equals C, that's where, that's where I'm going to wind up going. But I, I went there with the idea of knocking out some of that regionalization. And and really worked hard at kind of, you know, carving down that so that, you know, I remember a, a professor at Syracuse telling me, David, when you learn to pronounce the letter R, you'll, you'll be doing a lot better. And I, I remember, wow, that was a shot right to the solar plexus. Yeah, but right. but it, it, it was something I started to work on right away. And, and I think I was successful in doing that. But I don't think it ever leaves you. I think there are times it'll always come out uh, and it comes out for the better. I mean, Jerry's worked his entire played here. He worked his entire career on the air here. He's never gone anywhere else where it's, where somebody said, you know, Jerry, we're in Kansas City. You don't sound like you're from here. This isn't going to work for you. Uh, a lot of analysts never have to go through that, but play by play guys do. Is there part of it though? I mean, I always try to live my life just uh, you know off the air, not on, but but on the air a little bit too by the, the Shakespearean dictum of to thine own self be true, right? And so, you know, is there something to be said for, in Remy's case, for example, I mean, if that's who you are, if that's who you sound like, you don't have to go to finishing school to try to sound like a cookie-cutter guy, just be you. Well, I think the difference is with broadcasters. Uh, you know, analysts are former players, mm-hmm. and they, they don't fall under the same, the same edict that the rest of us do. I think when, when you're talking about calling games on a national level I think you don't want to sound too much like you're from one end of the country if you can if you can shave that off a little bit you're always going to have part of that as as part of your heart and soul and you know for example in my case I grew up coming to this ballpark and 
I'm steeped in the Red Sox. And I, I think that matters here. I think it, yeah. it matters a great deal that, that I saw Fred Lynn crash into the center field wall. Hmm. I can tell you why they put padding in the center field wall. It was because they were going to kill Freddie Lynn if they <laughs> right. hadn't done that. Right. I mean, that, that kind of, <laughs> of touchstone that, you know, you have guys like me and Joe Castiglione and some others, I, I think it makes a difference to New Englanders. I think maybe not so much if you're calling the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Or if you're calling, you know, the the, the Anaheim club right. in, in L.A. Well, but in L.A., and, and, I mean, everybody almost is from somewhere else. That's not the case in, in New England. I mean, a lot of people are yeah. born and raised and they'll die here. Yeah, that, I think that that's generally true. So, I, you know, I like you say, to each his own, I think at the end of the day, what you do in this job behind the microphone has less to do with how you sound than what you say and yeah. how you say it in terms of describing the action and, and, and telling the story of the season. I think if you're a good narrator, um, that's where New England fans, sports fans, and Red Sox fans appreciate you. Last one for the great and Natalie attired Dave O'Brien. Uh, since you mentioned Joe Castiglione, and we both got a mutual fondness for the man you call JoJo, and I don't know him well enough to do that yet, I think of JoJo White, and that just is a little off at that point. But uh, you're, uh, you're, and you mentioned this a little bit. You're, you're a, a history buff. You're, I mean, I, I like history, but I'm not a buff. I can't pretend I'm a buff. You and and Kistig are buffs. So, uh, having been in London, because by the time this airs, you'll have been in London. You and and Joe and and I. I mean, I'm, I'm probably going to join you on a couple of these things. What do you think you'll have done? Uh, in London, what are the things you were hoping to check off your list? And I hope you did. Yeah, well, the first thing I, I know Joe and I are going to do, and his wife Jan, his lovely wife Jan, is going to join us on the trip. We're going to go over to the the war room that Winston Churchill ran the war uh, for England from. And the day the war ended, they put plexiglass all around it. They sealed up those rooms, and no one went in there for like forty or fifty years. And now they've opened it up. And it's exactly as, as it was. So that's what I hope by the time this airs, I will have had, Joe will have had the thrill of, of doing that together. You know, we've done a lot of things, Joe and I, on the road uh, in the years that I did radio. Uh, we used to go see the, the Truman House and the Truman Museum in Independence, Missouri, uh, virtually every year because we're huge Truman fans. We love that period and his presidency and all that. And there have been a lot of things that we've been able to do over the years, but that's something on the list. And, and, you know, I've read a little bit more about, you know, who's buried in Westminster Abbey, and, which is phenomenal, the history there. I've been there before, but I've walked over those graves and didn't even realize who I was trudging over. So, you know, you want to do that. I'm going to go visit uh, uh, Dickens' home, one of Charles Dickens' homes in downtown London as well, where he wrote Oliver Twist and, wow. and uh, a number of his other great works. So, yeah, there's so much to do there, and trying to cram it in is probably a disservice, but I'll do the best I can. I'm just hoping to see the life-size Austin Powers at the Wax Museum. <laughs> that's, that's my big London check-it-off-the-box. A little bit of a different bent for you, I yeah, understand. You, you but, go you that know. way, I go that way. So Anyway, uh, Dave, thank you very much. Continued success to you and to your wonderful partners, and uh, so thrilled that you and I have gotten a chance to work together. I don't mean to eulogize either of us. We're, you know, we're obviously yeah, going to reconvene yeah. soon, but uh, thank you, buddy. Appreciate great, it. Great to have you on the broadcast, Josh, and, and in Boston, and uh, let's get this thing going. Please. Thanks. I kept you a little Very cool of OB to spend some time with us. And uh, thank you guys for hanging in this week. I know it's been an unconventional week of Sox Daily, but hopefully you enjoyed this getting to know you session or sesh. 
as the idiot people say. Uh, I, I try never to, to say that or shorten words in general. But we're going to come back and have more podcasts for you after the All-Star break. It'll get going as soon as that Red Sox-Dodgers series completes and uh, get you going again, and hopefully you'll, you'll come on back and, and find us and continue to tell your friends that this thing exists. Josh Lewin, wishing you a very safe and happy All-Star portion of your calendar year. And uh, again, thanks for your patronage here for Sox Daily. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.